How I love your word, how it lights my path, how it guides my way. We're so glad to have Phil Tate with us from Southcroft Congregation. I know you know him and the Central this team. And um, Phil, just before you read that, actually, Leslie, but I always um, have really carried in my heart the last message that Phil shared with us. I don't know if any of the rest of you remember. Um, Phil doesn't remember, but it was really, it was, I think it was one week before lockdown began back in 2020. And he shared a message all about the, um, the 10 bridesmaids, the parable of the 10 bridesmaids, the 10 virgins. And he talked about keeping the oil in your lamp and keeping that light aflame, you know, and and he kind of challenged us through that word saying, you know, each and every one of us, we need to take that seriously. We can't rely on somebody else's oil. And I remember we went into lockdown so shortly after that, it really carried me through that time. I felt it was a word for us as a congregation. And even if you don't remember it in your heads, don't worry. That doesn't disappoint us, does it, Phil? Because we know it goes in the heart. It goes in the spirit. But um, I know that God speaks through him. So let's open our hearts and our ears to listen. Um, this morning and also just to say that he is preaching this evening at the extravaganza as well so as he's talking you can bless him for that double whammer he's got for today thanks Leslie okay, the readings from uh, Luke chapter 1 verses 5 to 25 in the days of Herod king of Judea there was a priest named Zacharias with the division of Abijah And he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. They were both righteous in the sight of God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and requirements of the Lord. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both advanced in years. Now it happened that while he was performing his priestly service before God in the appointed order of his division, according to the custom of the priestly office, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were in prayer outside at the hour of the incense offering. And an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the altar of incense. Zacharias was troubled when he saw the angel, and fear gripped him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your petition has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will give him the name John. You will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and he will drink no wine or liquor, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit while yet in his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the sons of Israel back to the Lord their God. It is he who will go as a forerunner before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children and the disobedient to the attitude of the righteous so as to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zacharias said to the angel, How will I know this for certain? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. The angel answered and said to him, 
I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and bring you this good news. And behold, you shall be silent and unable to speak until the day when these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their proper time. The people were waiting for Zacharias and were wondering at his delay in the temple. But when he came out, he was unable to speak to them, and they realized that he'd seen a vision in the temple, and he kept making signs to them and remained mute. When the days of his priestly service were ended, he went back home. After these days, his wife became pregnant, and she kept herself in seclusion for five months, saying, This is the way the Lord has dealt with me in the days when he looked with favor upon me to take away my disgrace among men. Father, we thank you for bringing Phil here to us this morning. And we thank you for all that you've put in his heart as he's sought you um, over the, the message that you have for us. And I just ask, as, as he speaks, that you would just pour out your spirit upon him, that he will be blessed, that he will be encouraged as he encourages us. Um, yeah, Lord, come and be with us this morning and speak to us. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. If you think I'm walking a bit gingerly, a um, bit of a comedy accident really yesterday. Um, there's been loads of junk uh, in our house, and Haley's been having a bit of a clear out before Christmas. And so yesterday, I was going to make more space in our wheelie bins. So, you know, kind of jumping up and down in the wheelie bins and took a bit of a turn on a chair, which then fell sideways and sort of crunched my back on, on the side of it. But, you know, these things are sent to try us, aren't they? Um, but uh, this morning, we're going to um, look at this passage, and I'm just going to work my way through, but I feel that the Lord has given um, a message, and I hope that it will be um, a help and a blessing to us. Um, it is really, really great to be, um, it's, it's good to be anywhere, to be honest, at the moment. I'll, I'll go to the opening of an envelope, to be honest, at the minute. Um, this, <laughs> this particular um, letter is, is written to Theophilus. You know this, don't you? It's written to Theophilus, and um, you know that Theophilus means lover of God. Does anybody here loves God? Is anybody here that loves God this morning? Or it could be to a Roman official by the name of Theophilus. Is any Roman officials by the name of Theophilus here? That, no, okay. One day, maybe, we'll, we'll see that. Now, obviously, it could be to, to both, and, and, prob- and that's how I like it to sit, that this is to an individual, because it's to us, who love God, but it's also um, to perhaps a, a court, uh, somebody who's involved in the, the higher escalons of the Roman society. And it really was, as the gospel was spreading very rapidly in that first century, it was touching people at all spheres of society. And, and I think that we should be at work in all spheres of society. Um, I've really enjoyed getting back out on the streets a lot more recently at my, my kind of... Uh, place of choice at the moment is Tooton Broadway Station because there's always a lot of people um, around there and um, I suppose what, I, what I'm praying for is, is, a, is a new openness in people's hearts. Um, it's not really the, the kind of response from the society that you would want. I would, I'd want there to be more of a kind of um, 
running to God. Because, because we're very much aware there's been an absolute onslaught of darkness into this world right since the start of this pandemic. I felt it on the first day of lockdown. I thought there's something evil has entered into this world um, at, a, at a different level. Uh, because there's been, I think there's been spiritual agreements and dark agreements behind closed doors. And we haven't got the full picture. But we don't need the full picture. We've got the one who has the victory. Amen. And the one, uh, the one who is coming soon, and the scripture says the future belongs to him. And you know what, brothers and sisters, you are a co-heir with Christ. And you know what, the future belongs to you. Amen. The present fo- belongs to you, Paul says. Even death itself belongs to you. I'm not sure what to do with that gift, really. I'll wrap it up and stick it under the tree. There's a gift of death. But, but what, what it is, is that all things, he's the head of every rule and authority. Amen. Jesus is, is the king who, if you receive him, you get the kingdom thrown in. And this world, which is so dark right now, is going to experience such a liberty as soon as the Lord approaches and he takes back what is his. Amen. I can't wait for that day. I'm looking forward to it. And so many Christians I've spoken to over these past couple of years saying, oh, Lord, there's a cry that the Holy Spirit is anticipating something big. And it's anticipating the return of Jesus. And so there's a cry in our hearts that says, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. That's a wonderful thing to pray. It's a wonderful thing for us to look for and long for, isn't it? Because when Jesus comes back, he's going to establish this earth in truth and love and righteousness and joy and peace. Oh, what a day that's going to be. And uh, our sermons, oh, do we still get to preach? I don't know, maybe I need to ask uh, Debbie, but I think our sermons are going to go to a new level on that day. So if it's a little bit lower, well, just, you know, wait until the Lord returns. Right. Uh, <laughs> uh, now, in Luke's uh, account, um, we, we're seeing um, this uh, guy, Zacharias, um, and I think he's, he's, he's an interesting character for us to think about. Um, he's... Um, I, I kind of see it, as I was reading it yesterday, I saw it like a, a sporting analogy. Um, I don't know why, <laughs> but the Lord kind of helped me to, to picture it like this. That Zachariah is like a relay runner. He's really, really faithful to the cause of God. He's uh, upstanding. He's considered as righteous and blameless before the Lord. But he's somebody that I, the way I saw it, he's like a relay runner who's been faithfully running his, his lap but the, the guy in front of him just isn't there. And so he has to do another lap and then another and then another. And he's kind of, he's, he's sort of running low on his own kind of physical attributes and his energy. And he's probably feeling like, I'm maybe not going to see the things that I hope to see in my lifetime. Maybe I'm not going to see the Lord move in the ways um, that I uh, wanted to see. And maybe there's some people that are like that today. And we'll come back to this because I, feel, I felt like that's what the Lord was, was, was kind of hovering over. That maybe there's a bit of disappointment. Maybe there's a sense in which, oh man, you know, all these years I've been praying and hoping and longing over something. It, 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 you know, for, for Zachariah, part of his prayer was for an heir. He wanted a son and he was praying for that. And of course that was very deeply embedded in his life story. Not just for him, but also for his wife, Elizabeth, there was a longing in their hearts, and physically speaking, it, it wasn't going to be possible anymore. But it didn't mean that they gave up on God. There was a resilience within them. There was oil in their lamps. There was a, there was a trusting in God. And 
I think we need to have that deeper level of faith now, don't we? Because we, we're a little bit, it's a little bit like Daniel. Da- Daniel gets caught up in what's going on in the earth. God's brought judgment on his people, and um, rightly so. They, you know, they, they kind of mock God in some ways. God, God called for the Jubilee. You know, the Jubilee was never enacted by the Jews. They just didn't believe that God was good enough to give them a double harvest on the sixth year. And so for 490 years, they disobeyed God in that. They wouldn't, they wouldn't allow him to teach them about grace. Ultimately, that's the Jubilee was to teach them grace. It was to teach them the goodness of God, that they could rest in it, that Jesus was going to be the one who was going to give them grace and show them a law that wasn't just going to be applied to their backs or their heads or the sides of their heads. It wasn't just going to be a law that was going to apply in that way, but it was a law that was going to be applied to their hearts. And they would not trust the Lord in it. And so he squared the account. Seventy years, they were going to be judged. And so Daniel gets caught up, and then he finds himself in Babylon. And what does Daniel do to deserve that? Can you imagine being Daniel in that circumstance? I know that we've thought prayers like this. I know I have, particularly over the past couple of years. What did I do to get caught up in all of this? I feel like I've woken up in a parallel universe. Everything's been turned upside down. What are we doing here? You know, why are we in this position? Have you prayed a little prayer like that? At certain times, I know that I have. But you see, Daniel was in that place, but he determined himself to cleave to the Lord, whatever the circumstances were around him. He was going to have a faith that wasn't going to depend on the external circumstances. He knew that God would ultimately get his will done. And because he cleaved to the Lord, he was given insight and understanding beyond any of the wise men, magicians. Babylon was hoovering up these kind of um, people that had a spirituality from all different parts of the earth. But Daniel and his friends, they knew God in a deeper way because they decided whatever's going on around in this world, which is shaking and groaning, as it is in this time, they were going to cleave to the Lord. And because of that, the Lord gave Daniel wonderful insight. And I believe that that's a promise for God's children in this hour. If you will cleave to him, whatever's going on around, he's going to be with you and he's going to help you and he's going to give you wisdom and insight and understanding. What a wonderful thing. And of course, Daniel um, has such vision that he sees this time, he sees beyond this time. He sees even to the end of the age, the Lord's return. Amen. And so Zechariah is in, in this kind of similar position, I suppose. Um, the thing is that with this um, childlessness that Zechariah and Elizabeth were dealing with, at that time, uh, it was, would have been considered a disgrace. The Jews would have looked on them and thought, they've done something wrong. It might not be apparent on the surface, but there's a reason for their disgrace. There's a reason for God's displeasure with them. We don't know what it is, but they must have done something that was wrong. But anyway, Zechariah, he is from the line of Aaron. And if you were from the line of Aaron, then you were, as a descendant of his, you, you were um, of the, that division you could be a priest before the Lord. And, but of course, by the time of Jesus, there were about 20,000 people in the line of Aaron. And so to be a priest in the temple 
was not something that you could take up office in every day. They divided up the, the, the numbers into groups um, of, of 24. And so to be chosen to be this person that goes in before the Lord was probably a once in a lifetime. I don't know if it was once in a lifetime, but it really was like winning Willy Wonka's golden ticket. You know, he was going in and he, it was probably not going to be repeated again in his whole lifetime. So this was a special opportunity. And it says that uh, once when Zechariah's division was on duty, he was serving as a priest before God. He was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go in to the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for burning of incense came, all the assembled worshippers were praying outside. And, uh, and so as Zechariah was allowed to go in there into the holy place on his own uh, because he was releasing incense before the Lord. And of course, outside of that place, the people of God had gathered early, gathered around to pray. And of course, it's a lovely picture of prayer, isn't it? In scripture, incense rising is a picture of prayer. Psalm 141 says, let my prayer be set forth before you as incense and the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. I wonder how many of our prayers, when we think about it like that, I guess it causes us to maybe review how we pray, doesn't it? Is my prayer like sweet incense before the Lord? Sometimes it's not. It's, sometimes it's a real bit of tirade and it's a bit, a bit fleshy. But to have that prayer that goes up before the Lord and he can breathe that in and want to respond. That's how really we should pray. We should realize that actually sometimes the sweet smell of incense is a beautiful fragrance, isn't it? And sometimes you can see it like great plumes going up and it fills and it permeates the atmosphere. And when there's that kind of praying, it really suddenly brings heaven down. It changes the atmosphere on the earth. And uh, when there are dark circumstances, we really want the fragrance of the Lord. We want the presence of the Lord. We want the incense that is rising. Really interesting, um, we, um, where we grew up, my, my parents led a church. It had started as a Sunday school. Was anyone in the, was anyone in the Sunday school movement in the 70, yeah, 78, yeah? Brilliant, yeah. So that's how, how the kind of church started in, in my village, my parents um, when they moved to what was then a new community, they couldn't afford a car, and so they couldn't travel to the, uh, the church that they had become Christians in. And so um, my dad thought, well, why don't we start a Sunday school because we can get hold of literature and I can figure out what to do. And he knew somebody who could play a guitar. And so basically it was kind of started like that. He just knocked on every door in the village and said, we're starting a Sunday school, so if you've got kids you can kick them out for a couple of hours on the Sunday morning. And all the parents thought, this is fantastic. <laughs> we'll get some peace and quiet. Off you go. And so eventually that became a church. Um, and um, I'm not sure why I told you that. Why did I tell you? Oh, yeah, that was it. I, t- I told you that because they led the, um, they led the congregation with, an- with another family, and that was Nancy and Wilf Carr. Uh, Wilf was a, uh, a, a policeman. He was a police dog handler. And... I, one of the best days of my life was when Wilf Carr was invited to come to my primary school to, to tell everyone about, I don't know, safety. I can't remember what, what on earth he was talking about, but he brought his dog, and this dog was called Thor. I mean, there was only really one name that would fit this dog. It was like an Alsatian, but it was bigger than you, know, you could ever possibly imagine. And it could count. 
I mean, it was amazing. It, and, and it could sniff for drugs. And we, we used to always think, well, you know, I hope, I hope not, none of my primary school friends have got drugs on them because Thor might eat them, you know. And, but it was an amazing, because I was like, I know, I know him. But more importantly, I know that dog. And sometimes he would let me take Thor for a walk. And, I, you know, I've really, I felt like a giant, you know, taking this dog for a walk. I mean, it was walking me, but, you know, you get the idea. But anyway, <laughs> quite hilariously, this dog, I mean, this dog had awards, you know. It, had, you know. it was catching drugs all over the place. This was the dog that you brought in if there was, you know, violence at a football match. And, you know, everyone would suddenly, you know, become very respectable when the thing turned up. But anyway, they had a break-in at their house, and Thor was at home, and he never did anything. Could, can you believe it? it and and, and we, we, we reckoned it was because he wasn't at work. When he was at work, he, he would have killed this person. He would have eaten them. But because he was at home, he just assumed, oh, well, I'm not at work, so <laughs> I'm going to just chill out. But when, when, this, when this break... What on earth is this story about? When, when, when this break-in happened... Um, the, the, Wilf and Nancy Carr got home and the first thing that they did it wasn't to call the police although you'd think that would be the obvious thing particularly as Wilf was a police officer um, they called my mum and they called my mum to go to the house because they said this was a breach an enemy has been here and they wanted somebody that was filled with the Holy Spirit they wanted somebody that had the presence of the Lord that was the first foremost thing that they need in their life someone who was filled with the Holy Spirit and brothers and sisters maybe going back to that previous word our greatest need in these days is to be filled with the Holy Spirit it's the need to be filled with the Holy Spirit because right now you can't identify so easily actually often I can um, and you may may find this as well you you can't necessarily uh, detect from from the surface who is filled with the spirit but because we're in the last days there is a church which is apostate and its interest is is in this world it is an earthbound church and it might dress up and look like a church on the on the outside it might have similar words to us but the spirit of god is going to move in this earth in such a way and there will be a division. That division is going to come, and God can recognize, though he must recognize the Spirit of God that's in you. When a person receives Jesus, they receive the Holy Spirit, and there is light. You can't necessarily see it in the spirit realm. Sometimes you can, but there is a light. There is a light which God recognizes. He must have his own life in that individual. Otherwise, that individual, no matter what they say, they may say at the judgment seat, Lord, Lord. Lord, Lord, didn't we do some stuff in your name? But, but there has to be a recognition of the same spirit that was in his son. And so in these last days, there is an apostate church which is rising. It's a Babylonian church. It may look like a church, but it doesn't agree with Jesus. It doesn't follow Jesus. It has no interest in Jesus. Its interest is in this world. Its interest is in the, in the politics and the policies of this world. It's not interested in the spirit of God and where he's leading. So let, no, I'm not saying this to release any fear. I'm, I'm saying it because I don't want you to be confused. I want you to be very clear. God wants us to be very clear, and we can be very clear, and we can be very clear when we go in the way of Jesus. So let us be a people 
please, brothers and sisters, that, that love the Holy Spirit, that welcome the Holy Spirit. Who is it who builds the church? It's the Holy Spirit. Who is it that reveals Jesus to people? It's the Holy Spirit. Who wants to glorify the Father? It's the Holy Spirit. Who wants us to agree with Jesus? It's the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit in everything. Amen? So let's be a people that's set apart for him. Amen? So it says, Then an angel of the Lord appeared to Zechariah, standing at the right hand of the altar of incense. Then Zechariah saw him. He was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and yet to call his name John. He will be a joy and a delight to you. And many will rejoice because of his birth, because he's going to be great in the sight of the Lord. He's never to take wine or other fermented drink. He'll be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from before he is born. He'll bring many of the people of Israel to the Lord, their God. He'll go on before the Lord. He'll go in the spirit of Elijah. And he's going to turn the hearts of parents to their children and the disobedient to the uh, wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people for the Lord. So there's something very beautiful about this encounter. You know, Zechariah was there to represent the nation. And because he'd never done this before, um, I, I think that it's incredible um, that he, the angel comes to say, by the way, Zechariah, your prayer's been heard. Now, I'm almost certain, because of the text, before, because of what it, it's implicit in the text, Zechariah wasn't there to pray for a son. I think the prayers for a son had ceased. They dried up years ago. Um, he'd stopped praying that prayer. Um, and the reason why I think that is because um, he, he kind of corrects the angel, doesn't he, a little bit, bit, bit later on. And, um, but I just think that it's wonderful, isn't it, that the Lord sometimes takes us back to a time, to a, a, a point in time, when our prayers for something was very, very uh, fervent. And we might have forgotten about that time. We might have moved on. We might have seen, seen this as impossible. That's past tense. You know, I've done a few more laps around the block. I've seen how things are moving away from me in the area of what I'm able to do. You know, maybe there was some prayers in your heart some time ago, maybe in the 70s, maybe in the 80s, maybe in the 90s, when you were praying for revival. Um, maybe you were praying at that time. But you have to remember there, are, there were people that were praying for revival, for example, in the Hebrides for many, many years. They would give over time, over many, many years to praying for uh, revival. Uh, there's been something of a breakout of the kingdom of God in Indonesia in these last few years. I mean, everything's incredible. To see how the, to see how the, the world has turned upside down, to see how the global south is now absolutely on fire with the gospel. The places which are most hostile and most close to the gospel have been exposed to the gospel in the most incredible ways. If you think God has, has sort of taken his finger off things in these past 10 years, you've not seen the statistics. The church is absolutely growing in the most incredible ways, in the most hostile environments, because the kingdom of God is coming to those that are seeking him fervently. And so I think it's wonderful that the angel comes to say to Zechariah, hey, you know that prayer that you were praying really fervently all those years ago and you've forgotten about because you believe God couldn't do it. Your prayers have gone up before the Lord. Your prayers have been heard and God's going to answer at this time. And so he says, um, you're to call him John. He's going to be a, a joy to his people. And he's going to be this forerunner for the Lord. You know, I think we should really be praying in these days that the Lord would raise up lots of forerunners Lots of people are going to go, yeah, I believe that it's a wonderful time to be thinking 
not too far in the future about the Lord's return. And so because of that, we can prepare people. We can say, do you know what? The Lord is going to come and he's going to redeem his people. You can be one of the redeemed. We can publish his mercies to the, to the world. We can tell people the good news of Jesus. And particularly in these dark times, people need to hear some good news. Can I hear it? Amen. 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 Is there good news coming? Yes. Why is there good news coming? Because Jesus is coming. Amen. And so we want to, we want to pray um, in, in these days that lots of foreigners are going to be raised up. I think it's wonderful. Um, people sometimes don't love his politics. I know everything, everything's political these days. But I think it's great that Franklin Graham's going to be coming and preaching around uh, this nation um, next year. And I pray that lots of people would find Jesus um, through that. But I also pr- uh, pray that lots of others, you know, in, in, Ictus, is in the ministry team, we're going to have a tent revival um, uh, next year. And I really want to pray that this will activate us, to, that we can pray uh, earnestly for friends and family and neighbors and say, come and hear the good news of, of Jesus. You know, there's a, there's a desire within the heart of mind, man to find good news. We're always searching for it. And that's why we click on the news and we think, maybe there'll be some good news today. Now, there's no, there's no good news there. Oh, gosh, the media, like, flies all over a dog poop, aren't they? Just, they just love what's nasty, even though millions of wonderful things happen every day. But there is good news in the gospel. There's good news in the person of Jesus. And so Elijah was raised up um, with, a, with a wonderful anointing, and it was, like a, it was like, almost like Elijah coming back again. You know, there's so many similarities between John the Baptist and Elijah. I mean, I counted about 20 the other day, but here's a few of them. You know, both anointed their successors. Both arrived during a time of spiritual darkness when people were thinking, hey, is there a God? Have you seen what's going on around us? Both ate food provided by God. Both people called people back to God. Both were under death threats from the wives of evil kings. Both lived in the wilderness. Both ministered near the Jordan River. Both wore animal skin clothing. There's actually so many more that I could say, but there's so many similarities between these two characters. And and, and you know, John was really anointed to turn people's hearts. He was gathering people in huge numbers. And he wasn't doing it anywhere near te- the temple. He wasn't doing it at the seat of power. He wasn't doing it at the center of religious observance. He was doing it out there in the wilderness. And sometimes people need to come away from dead religion in order to find a living king. Amen. And, uh, and so we want to be those people that are on the margins where God is doing his ministry and his work. And, you know, it was said during his ministry... It said the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask John the Baptist who he really was. He did not fail to confess, but he confessed freely, I am not the Messiah. They said, then who are you? Are you Elijah? Do you see how people thought this might be um, Elijah? And he said, I'm not. Are you the prophet? No. And finally, they said, well, who are you? Give us an answer so we can take back to those who sent us. And he said, I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness. Make straight the way for the Lord. Let that be your prayer. Just like John the Baptist, let's be a people that are forerunners to the coming of the King of Kings. Make a straight path. Let's make every mountain low and raise up those valleys so that people can get directly into a living relationship with Jesus. Amen. And so um, Zachariah says, well, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man. I'm well in, uh, you know, advanced in, in years. And the thing is this, we pray, and maybe I'll finish with this, we tend to pray a bit like Zechariah. I'm guilty of it. You're much more spiritual than Forrest Hill. Maybe you don't pray like this, but I know that I'm guilty of it. And the thing is, Zechariah's response to the angel is not, oh, fantastic, 
I mean, I'm literally meeting with an angel. So this has got to be true. It's going to happen. I'm standing before Gabriel. I mean, Gabriel must have been quite a sight. Um, this is the same Gabriel who stood before Daniel. And Daniel was so moved by that encounter, he was sick for, very, for, for several days afterwards. So, you know, you see these kind of cutesy angels with their halos and wings. It probably didn't look like that. I can recover fairly quickly looking at one of them. Uh, but, 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 you know, he, he's, he's, Zechariah's guilty and we're guilty of saying, look, these are the circumstances. I'm old now. We, we stopped praying that prayer a long time ago. It's, that's not going to happen. We're going to be faithful to God. God will, God will see us all right in the end. And that's a good, that's a good level of faith. But some, when God moves, he moves powerfully and he moves suddenly. You've got to be ready for the suddenly moves of God. Uh, God moves suddenly. And I was so encouraged, I was just sharing with Debbie earlier, um, I had a bit of contact with, with Georg, and of course a lot of us have probably been thinking, oh, how dreadful, you know, SNI's work again brought to the ground because of the disastrous, you know, move out of uh, Afghanistan. Maybe it was a disastrous move into Afghanistan, but the withdrawal was a disaster. And you think, well, that's it. You know, SNI's work's finished. But Georg sent a message to say that literally the, the, the various levels of the um, Afghan government have been talking together, economics minister, the head of the Taliban, and they've reached out to Georg and said, we need SNI back in Afghanistan to help our people. Isn't that incredible? You just think, no, no. I mean, I, I don't know what prayers Georg was praying at that time, but I just thought, oh, so sad. That's over. It's the end. It's not going to happen. But you know, the Lord is able to do more than we can ask or think. And you know, the angel's response is this. He says, I am Gabriel, and I stand in the presence of God. I am Gabriel, and I stand in the presence of God. What have you got to throw back at God when he says something like that to you? I mean, it sounds a bit stupid when you, when you look back, because he's just said, I'm Zechariah, and I'm an old man. And the, and the heaven's response is, I am Gabriel. Gabriel means God is great, and I stand in the presence of God. We need Christmas, don't we? We need an invasion of heaven, don't we? We need Gabriel and the voices of those archangels to say, we are those who stand in the courts of the king. And all those time, all that time, people have been praying, your kingdom come, your will be done. And soon enough, it will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Gabriel knew that when God passes a verdict, it's going to come. And we want, we want to be those, don't we, in these days that we don't want to let God's word fall to the ground or leave it behind or say that that was for that season, that let God's word go forth and accomplish all that he intends for it. Amen. Lord Jesus, we just pray that you would come now. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit into this gathering. Lord Jesus, I just want to pray that you would lay your hand upon any life that's saying, that's finished now, it's over, it's dry. We want to hear what you want to do. We want to hear what you want to say. Lord Jesus, thank you that you have plans for each and every one of us, Lord God. And whatever's going on in the nations or behind closed doors, we want to know what's going on in heaven and we want to be those forerunners that run, that run, that run, that say, Lord, thank you. You've set an open door before us and we want to go through it in the precious name of Jesus. And Father, I pray that you just uh, lift off, Lord God, heavy weight, uh, Lord God, of oppression 
and sickness and disease. Lord, you cut off generational curses in this place. We plead the precious blood of Jesus that you would liberate your people. Lord, thank you that yours is an anointing that breaks yokes, Lord God. We thank you that you're the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We thank you that you're the head of every power and authority. We thank you that you have the victory over death. Lord God, that's why we can celebrate and give thanks that Jason has been safely taken into the presence of Jesus. We thank you, Lord God, that you are greater than our lives. You're greater than anything that we face. You're certainly greater than any uh, government or kingdom of, of this world. And Lord, we thank you that the government shall be upon your shoulders and you should be called Emmanuel, God with us, mighty Savior, King of kings and Lord of lords, Prince of peace, wonderful Savior, mighty God, everlasting Father, in Jesus' wonderful name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.